A warm welcome to Questions Worth Asking, a podcast where we capture and translate wisdom from multiple disciplines in order to fuel the next generation of changemakers. Hello, welcome back to Questions Worth Asking. This is Season 3, Episode 7. I'm Priya. And I'm John. And I am a little bit anxious today because we've got Paul, who is a good friend of mine from one of the NTL National Training Lab tea groups that we did together, where we became very close friends and have stayed in contact for years. And today we'd like to dive into uh, a conversation that uh, could be fun, could be challenging. I'm not quite sure where it's going to go. So Paul, <laughs> welcome. Thank you, John, and thank you, Priya, and, and uh, hello, everybody. <laughs> so this, for, for our regular listeners, um, or particularly those that have joined us since season three, this episode is going to look a little bit, or sound a little bit different. So as you know, John and I have always had this um, kind of constant debate, tussle, dynamic, whatever you want to call it, about um, being loved and being useful is is kind of how it sounded before. And now it looks like, do we talk about the theory? Do we talk about and explain it and be more instructional? Or do we demonstrate the theory or the question by doing the work, which is a phrase that will be familiar to you if you're a coach or an OD professional. And so for this episode, we're going to do the work as opposed to talking about how to do the work, which is what the previous couple of episodes in season three have been about in order to make it more accessible to more people so Paul is going to kind of hold the conversation uh, with John you're going to hear a little bit less from me um, and this is going to be a demonstration of how we might use questions um, in service of whatever it is that John is going to talk about today so Paul I shall hand over to you thank you Priya so, John, what's what's the topic you want us to have a conversation about today? Yeah, thanks. Uh, first thing I'm noticing to distract myself a little bit is that there's a, a a bird right outside my window, and I can hear it quite clearly, and I'm assuming the microphone is probably picking it up. So I'm trying to connect in with nature. I think the the topic for us actually to, to dive into is what I've been calling and trying to focus some of my personal work on um, of toxic masculinity, I think is what I would call it. There are probably other labels and phrases. Um, we could go the, the route of white privilege, white guilt, white fragility. I think that is probably related to this. Um, even just maybe even dropping the toxic and going as simple as my masculinity. And then one last bit of context, another word or label I might throw into the, the soup is um, sensitivity. I think as a person, it's taken me quite a while to sort of get in touch with my, my sensitive side and then frankly just uh, a few weeks ago with a, a good friend we were talking about this and he was mentioning to me it sounds like you're looking at the the positives and the negatives of your sensitivity what about the other side of the polarity what about your insensitivity what are the pros and cons of being insensitive john so 
I don't know if that makes sense or comes together, but I think I'm just being a little bit messy and thinking out loud. The conversation or the topic might be somewhere in all of that. Somewhere in all of that. Yeah. So I'm hearing you describe a conversation around toxic masculinity or white guilt, white privilege, the polarity between sensitive, being sensitive and insensitive. Uh, what makes you want to talk about this? Mm, yeah, thank you. There's something about, for me, noticing when I um, cause harm or cause conflict, or I guess make an assumption that there's some kind of, um, I'm not aligned with the intent of my words or my behaviors or my nonverbals, where in my head, I'm coming from a place of love and care and compassion and caring for self, caring for others, caring for the relationship, wanting things to positively move forward. And then here, let me give you a tiny little example. I was um, talking to a friend of mine once um, and uh, I used the word articulate. I used the word articulate as a compliment. And I, I was saying, oh, I watched this video and the woman was so articulate. I was really listening and I could, I could hear and enjoy. And the person I was talking to offered me the feedback and said, her exact words were, we should probably be careful with the word articulate because I think it's been white people that have defined what articulate looks and sounds like. Mm. And it's that moment, it's that little, oh no, I think I was, it's, it's the, the, the big shift. It's the, the total opposite of, I was trying to give a compliment and be positive and it landed in a, it landed harmful or at least a little bit irritating and I was completely unaware of it. And so then I can often get back into my head or even into my body and go on one hand, fantastic. What amazing feedback to know that what, what an environment she and I created where she could offer me that pretty strong feedback and for me to change and not use that word anymore, at least be more aware if I speak like that. Okay. So let's, let's, let's jump in then, John. Because hmm. uh, I know I know you like to jump into things. I do. <laughs> I want you to just pause and just take a moment and uh, try your best to to put that anxiety I can feel that you're feeling. Um, hmm. Just put that to one side for a moment. And as we think about ourselves and the different aspects of of our identity, you know, the different aspects that make us who we are. I'd like you to just pause and reflect on just one aspect of your identity. And that aspect is being a man. Mm. Yeah. Your manhood. Sure. Yeah. And just for a moment, just step into that space of John the man. Yeah. Okay. John the man. John the man. And as you reflect, as you step into John the man, what does, what does being a man mean for you? Sure. Um, so I notice my chest gets a little shaky. There's almost like a, a pulsating in the, the skin or right beneath the skin. 
like around my heart. Um, you know, my mind first goes into uh, what I would call like traditional man. I'll try not to say masculinity. Um, uh, pulling my shoulders back, sitting up tall, um, growing, expanding, and thinking, okay, the man, uh, that. And then as I notice myself sit up, as you were saying that, um, I then come into the thought of the, the, the sensitivity word I used a minute ago. Mm. So it's like a, it's like a, but wait, I can be, um, tall, strong man and sensitive, uh, charismatic is something I sort of aim for and always pleased yeah. to hear charismatic feedback or presence or aura, something like that. Um, so yeah, those are a few things that pop up for me as man. And when you think of tall, strong man, mm -hmm. just unpack that a bit for me. Sure. Um, tall, strong man. I, I guess right as I finished there. And as you ask that, um, my eyes open and I, I, I I'm thinking man and woman now. So, uh-oh, now I have a thought of, is woman not tall, strong? And that feels very risky to say out loud, but that's the first time I've ever thought that. And now my mind goes over to, because I know you, you kind of wanted to make this fun, so if, I'm, if I enter a little mm -hmm. bit of lightheartedness, um, I watched a, a Gordon Ramsay video last night where he was making food with Ronda Rousey, who's, you know, uh, an MMA mm -hmm. fighter. Um, and they made this video and they were, uh, as you can imagine where this went, you know, they, they, they basically at the end started fighting in a very playful, fun kind of way. I'm not even sure where I'm taking that, but that. Well, let me, let me pause you there then, John. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Because what I'm noticing is at the point at which you started talking about, I'm noticing that, uh, you know, women not tall and strong in the same way as I, I see myself as a man. Mm. You deflect with a story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let me bring you back to that thought that came into your head. Is that part of what you were calling insensitive, John? Is that part of insensitive, John? I hope not. Could be, though. What is insensitive, John? Good question. Answer. <laughs> what is Answer insensitive, it. John? I've never asked myself. So, insensitive, John doesn't care what he says how it lands uh, uh what impact it has on someone else what impact it has on himself insensitive john uh speaks from the hip 
the insensitive John loses the filters and the masks and just goes. What does being insensitive John give you? What does it bring to you? What's the gift in insensitive John? Well, freedom, liberation, both pop up and somehow a little bit of guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, I notice my toes clenching. Uh, that's not the sort of kind of freedom. If we were to talk about what is freedom, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want it to be like, don't care about other people. Not, but, but that is the feeling that comes with it. Yeah. Okay. I want you to just hold that thought and hold that feeling for a moment. Mm. Yeah. And, um, shake off John the man and step into step into your race mm-hmm. your whiteness mm-hmm. John the John the white person mm-hmm. and what does it mean to you to be white mm. yeah uh, privilege is the first word that comes up I noticed the comparison, just like I had the, the man-woman comparison, the white-black comparison, the white-brown comparison, that comes to mind. And then I don't know if this is deflection or not, but John the white person can walk these streets right in my neighborhood and not be looked at twice or not be doubted or um, have a police car drive by and not even notice the police car drive by. And so in comparison, I don't know that everybody has that experience. Yeah. So if we look at uh, John the white man, Mm And John, the insensitive white man, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think of being white, what does that mean to you? Mm. Yeah, always a big question. <clears throat> what does white mean? Being white mean to me? Often often being in the up position when we think of ups and downs or or dominant and other there is quite a bit of um, up and dominant i am tall strong heterosexual white american male and so that intersection in in most environments has quite a bit of upness and privilege to it and i don't sense i'm actually answering the question no what does yeah <laughs> what Good. does white mean to me yeah I, there's something about the ease with which you use the language of being privileged mm. because well that's what we'd expect mm. yeah you, you know you're well trained mm. you're sensitive Mm. You know, white privilege just rolls off the tongue as though it has no impact. Mm. So step into insensitive John, mm. who is free to say what he wants to <laughs> say without a care. 
sure, sure. And yeah. what does your whiteness mean for you? So there's uh, anger. I can start. It starts to like a little bubbling inside. Um, history starts coming up. What the white race has done. What's what's in my genes. What's in my body. What's you know, this experience. This view. This perspective I have of the world. Um, and oh, here it comes. This aiming for equity and and yet the 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 trying to hold multiple perspectives right the the trying to on one hand say i see things aren't fair i want it fair for you i want it fair for me and yeah i mean messy insensitive john would say there's probably a little bit of me that wants a little bit more for me there's a competitive mm-hmm. a competitive edge. Yeah. I'm going to work hard and I'm going to who dare I say fight for what I want for me and for my family and for those around me. And that feels a little bit nasty. Yeah. How does it make you feel to be nasty? <laughs> well, I can laugh it off, but my biceps flex a little, I notice. Um mm-hmm. a strengthening that I feel okay so just for a moment step out of John the white man as an individual Mm -hmm. and knowing a bit about your background I know that you've you've spent many years working in corporate environments yeah Mm -hmm. and um, working in corporate environments where it's predominantly a white majority. Yes. Yeah. So I just want you to place yourself back into that environment for a moment. Okay. It's been a few years, but I can yeah. do it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Place yourself back in that environment. And so now you're in the company of white men. Mm-hmm. So it's not just John the white man but it's John the white man surrounded and in the company of white men. Mm -hmm. What does that give you? What's that bringing to you? Mm -hmm. What does that mean for you? Sure, sure. I'm in a way, I would almost say trying to throw away my training or, you know, remove masks or be raw, or I like to say congruent with self. I started in IT and information technology. So in a way I'm taking myself back to that environment because that was predominantly white male. Whereas the final 10 years of my corporate career, I was in human resources, which was actually white female predominantly. Yeah. Let me get to a, a white male. Let me go all the way back. Mm. Uh, to information technology, white male meetings, technology people. And then, sorry, ask me your, your question again. What, what does it mean for me in that space? Or what does it feel like? Yeah. What, what does it feel like? What are you experiencing? Um, see, this is so, okay, tricky. Because I guess for me, there's been tremendous personal work 
since 20 years ago in, in IT. So it's kind of fun and intriguing to go back 20 years and be that age and that person, but then also be in the mind I'm in today. Um, there are, there are inappropriate jokes or jokes that did not land funny for me. And yet the room laughed and I felt excluded. And that was true 20 years ago, did not feel the strength to speak up mm-hmm. against, um, jokes. Um, there was a sense in the, I had a sense in the room of we're in this meeting. We're going to make some decisions. We don't need to check with anyone else outside this room. Um, that's there for me. That that's loud. What else is going on? I can, I'm literally picturing a meeting room that I can recall yeah. 20 years ago and sitting around the table. Um, there's laughter. There's this, this sense in the room of how great it is to be us. Mm. And that's not where I was 20 years ago. And especially not today. Um, as if it's, not just, not right, not while well, my eyes open really quickly there. Um, it's almost, it's almost painful for you to experience it. It, it. Yeah. There's, there's a, there's a hesitation for it. Yeah. I almost don't want to go back. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Okay. Still don't feel bold enough, strong enough, right enough, just enough to speak up in that environment because it would be insensitive. Hmm. Insensitive in what sense? Mm. It's going to create conflict. It's going to be disliked. I'm going to be disliked. And, and I then make an assumption that I will then be excluded. I'm then out. Yeah. Just stay in that space for now. Mm. Uh, because of time. I'd love to explore it some more. And I'd, I'd love to explore the difference when you were in the HR white female majority. But mm. because of time, um, I want you to, again, just, just reflect for a moment. Reflect on what would it be like to be a black man? Mm. And to the extent that you can, step into what you imagine it would be like to be a black man. Mm -hmm. Sure. Thank you. Um, I have no idea. On one hand, I have no idea. And yet, of course, have many black men friends. So have Mm. heard stories, but don't have the lived experience. Mm. Um, The closest, so, so I can imagine and speak from there, and the first experience that comes to mind was my first time in China, being an American white, heterosexual, tall male, mm-hmm. walking around China and feeling different, looking different, uh, extremely curious of what everybody else was thinking and feeling as I walked around so physically different from everyone else around, you know, feeling like mm-hmm. sticking out like a sore thumb. It really was curiosity for me and a bit of fear, a bit of, mm. I hope I'm not hurt or attacked for being different. So I don't know if that's the mm. black, I'd have to think for a second, is that the black male experience? I did hear you say fear of being attacked. And, mm. yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, for For being different. Yeah. And 
you know, we we talk a lot about leaders leading from a place of empathy. Mm. Empathy doesn't require us to have the same lived experience, but it does ask of us to try and step into the shoes of someone else. Mm-hmm. That's where empathy comes from. Mm. Yeah? So in that space of you know, being empathizing, stepping into the shoes of a black man, mm-hmm. put that black man back into that IT environment that you were in, mm-hmm. the IT environment where you as a white man didn't feel bold enough to speak up, mm-hmm. you know, felt that you would be disliked, mm-hmm. didn't feel comfortable with the jokes. Yep. Yeah. Step into that space as a black man and how would you feel from empathy? This is not lived experience, just being empathetic. How would you feel? It's the environment immediately changes by being a black man in that environment. The jokes change, the sense, the feeling changes. Changes Um, in what way? Yeah. Some people in the room will not bring their full self. And so, of course, I'm holding my mirror and wondering if that's me too. Um, But having many of that that experience where it's an all-white male meeting and then a black male is in the the same group of people the next day in a different meeting. Um, The jokes are different. The sense is different. The feeling is different. The words are different. What's, what are you experiencing as that black man? Hmm. Confusion and doubt. Mm-hmm. What is going on here? Why, why is it like this? Why is it like this when I'm here? Yeah. What else might you be feeling? Uh, I mean, there's, there's, if I can do my own insensitive John, there's, there's got to be some anger. Yeah. Right. There's got to be some. Hold on. Just because I'm here, you're all going to act different. What's that about? To anger, confusion, doubt. Mm -hmm. Why is it like this? Possibly a sense of feeling excluded. Mm -hmm. Possibly a sense of not part of. Different. Yes. Yeah. Different. Potentially a whole load of energy that has to be devoted to end everything but my work, mm. energy to just fit in, to be accepted, to be acknowledged. To, to represent everyone else, mm. right? to represent every black man. Yeah. In that yeah. meeting, it's not me, John, the black man. It's me, John, or all black men. Right. It's, it's Can you imagine black... car- carrying that weight? All day, every day, right? Um mm. No. Uh, well, I mean, yes, I can imagine. For me, I imagine heaviness. Mm-hmm. I imagine, can I just let this go for a minute? Yeah. When? 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 When is that minute I get to let this go? Let's come out of that that situation, John. Okay. <laughs> and bring you back to today. Mm. Yeah. Bring you back to today. Just ask the question of you, 
What have you learned about yourself, John, through this conversation so far? Sure. I'm soothing. I've got my right hand um, kind of rubbing my left leg. And the words that are coming up are, it's okay. Um, I will also say that for me personally, there is um, a strive, a desire to be perfect. And so alongside that white and male and everything, the intersection we've talked about, there, there's also a, a, a perfect John. So learning, forgiving myself and being okay with imperfect and more in the moment. How I've been mm -hmm. with you on this uh, entire recording is eyes closed, nose and face pressed into my pop guard for my microphone, um, almost propping me up and like deeply focused on your voice. So in the moment, uh, curious, forgiving here. And as we explored that organizational context mm. for you first as a white man and for you trying to empathize, empathetically step into the shoes of a black man. Mm -hmm. What did you learn from that? The heaviness, the, the, the holding and the, the representing of myself and everyone else that looks like me. Mm -hmm. And how hard that must be, how hard that is as I think of it. Yeah. How does that leave you feeling? Wanting to ask, wanting to check in, wanting to uh, have an environment, have have conversations um, to see if that is how it is, or if that's just a fantasy I've got. Okay. How are you going to make those conversations happen? Hmm. Happy to continue chatting with you. <laughs> um, and so many others my good friend greg who happens to be the voice of this podcast the, the opening and the closing is is greg check, checking in with him and many others mm. yeah let me, let me push you on the many others mm. you know because now you found that being a bit imperfect mm. now you've connected a little bit more with insensitive john mm. that uh you know, can say what he likes and is, is not afraid to get things wrong or yeah. to cause offense. Yeah. You know? yeah. So let me push you. Okay. What, what are you going to do now? <laughs> In this moment, can I check with you? Can I ask you right now how that's landing with you? How you're landing with me? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Why do you feel the need to ask the question? Uh, it's that same curiosity. Um, there's, there's a, I don't know. I don't know why I feel the need. Um, is that sensitive John actually needing a bit of approval? Whereas uh, insensitive John would say, I don't care. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, I don't think, you know, um, approval is interesting, of course. Um, I think it's um, connection. 
It's contact. Mm-hmm. At least that's that's where I think I'm coming from. And uh, it's something about being in the moment. You and I are here chatting mm-hmm. right now, as opposed to well later I'm going to go talk to somebody. So it's like taking the moment. It's it's uh, it's you know right here right now. Yeah. And yes, there probably is some kind of approval, but have to unpack that. Mm. So I'm going to leave you some homework. <laughs> Please do. Yeah, to do that unpacking, do the unpacking, mm. and have the conversations. Mm-hmm. Unpacking of, am I seeking approval? Where is sensitive and insensitive John? And... Is that the lived experience of black men? But hold on, hold on. I, I, I want to be really cautious because I guess one thing I've learned is to not, uh, and maybe this is where it all comes together for the approval. Um, a black man doesn't need to describe or share with me his black lived experience. That's for me to understand and go through. So can you help me with that for a second? How... What is the framing of the conversation? Or is it just messy, insensitive, and I make some mistakes? Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that is what it is. Yeah. Because for fear of offense, I do nothing. For fear of offense, I do nothing and everything stays the same. Yeah, yeah. And in staying the same, when we talk about um, systemic racism, Mm -hmm. systemic racism are the actions, the mindsets, the behaviors of millions of individuals that for fear of offense, everything stays the same. Mm -hmm. So speak up, be the John today, not the John of 20 years ago Mm -hmm. that didn't feel courageous enough to speak up in all its messiness. So maybe that's where, if we're in a podcast called Questions Worth Asking, let me take a guess at the question worth asking here. Something like, what will I say when I speak up in a messy way? Or something like that. There's some kind of speaking up and being messy and making mistakes. Well, maybe the question is, or two questions, mm. what, what gets in the way of me messily speaking up Mm -hmm. and who do I need to be or what do I need to do in order to have that conversation? Yeah. What gets in the way? I feel like I'm coming back into a very intimate moment. So I'm going to come back in quite gently. Is this this a good time? Thank you for, uh, Paul, thank you for holding space for that conversation. And John, thank you for being uh, brave enough to, you know, you know, have this conversation and, and, and have it recorded. I, you know, in a huge respect um, to you both. And, and particularly for me, what what I was thinking about in part when I was listening to the conversation was that not everybody chooses to do this work. 
Mm-hmm. Some people mm-hmm. make an active choice not to do this type of work um, and to stay in that very privileged, very silent, maintain the system place um, and how much bravery it takes to come out of that on both sides. Um, so thank you. Um, does this feel like a space to bring our conversation to a close? For now, <laughs> bring our conversation to a close because I'm aware there's more work to be done, but does this feel like a good space to end? Works for me. As long as it works for John, it works for me. <laughs> John, you seem quite quiet now. Sure, sure. I think there's maybe one last comment I'm, I'm sitting with, which is... Um, I often notice in others what I receive as like a wall and a a breaking down of the wall to build that connection. And that's what I'm now noticing in myself, looking back and trying to remember anything I even just said in the recording as if there's a wall there and there is tremendous work to more awareness, more conversation to see the wall and, and break down the wall. So that's what I'm also taking as homework. You make an excellent coaching job. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Paul. You've had practice, right? <laughs> yes, as has Paul and you, Bria. So yes. <laughs> we've, all, we've, all, we've all been there. We've all sat in the chair, yeah. right? Yeah. Thank you for holding this space and it's goodbye from the UK. And thank you, Paul. Thank you, Priya. And goodbye from just outside Washington, D.C. Bye. 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 Thank you for being with us. Until next time, it's your turn to ask the questions worth asking.